The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Doing good, man. It's nice to uh, hear your voice again, and so soon. And so soon. Look at us, like all like steady and shit. We're just doing right thing, man. That's right. That's right. Because we were we were out for a minute, which always makes people salty. But we're back now and consistent. Yeah, consistent. Consistently twice, right? I googled that. Shit. <laughs> and uh, we also did. Um, we had a special episode which I recorded in Florida with uh, our super fan Topher, which uh, people seem to really like as well. Topher's good people, man. I like I like Topher. I like. Uh... Topher, first of all, loves the show, but he's just, he's good people. I've spoken to him at least a dozen times on the phone, and, and uh, yeah, he's good people. I'm, I'm glad you guys did that episode. It came out fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and people remarked on the waterfall in the background um, because we actually recorded it at my my parents are retired. They live in Florida, and they have a pool and a hot tub with, like, a little waterfall, and that was going on in the background, <laughs> and apparently I guess you could hear it, so it's like we're, we're talking over a waterfall. It's very zen. That's really sweet, but when you say in the background, it's because you two are actually sitting in the hot tub, right? Yeah, yeah, like one big, actually, that would have been a much better idea. <laughs> yeah, like fucking like big Mai Tai with two straws in it or something. It just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we have uh, we have another guest today with us. Uh, we have uh, one of my students, uh, uh, Jimmy Cochran, who's been with me for, for a minute. Uh, been learning. You actually met him uh, at the 15-year anniversary. He did a Wing Chun demonstration, and he'll be here to chime in whenever he feels like chiming in. Say hi, Jimmy. That's right. What's up, dudes? <laughs> How you doing, Jimmy? Good, good to see you again. Yep, the dudes. And uh, so um, also another thing, uh, Sean, you were just on a Jeet Kune Do podcast yesterday you were talking, right? I had so much fun with this. You know, I, got, I was invited on by Dwight Woods, who runs uh, uh, Jeet Kune Do Dialogues, and to be on his podcast and it was so funny because I come home I came home from work yesterday to do the podcast and my wife looks at me and she's like she goes you don't seem like yourself because I was I guess I was you know hurrying around or whatever and I'm like you know what for some crazy reason I'm fucking nervous to go on this podcast I was like and she's like why you do like you've been on like 150 podcasts already <laughs> and I'm like you know what but I'm always in control I can hit like pause and shit you know <laughs> and uh, but I really had so much fun he's just he was well prepared tons of questions he um he had like kind of like raided my Facebook page and 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 my old he went he did something really cool I've had web you can do websites like forever you know Mm-hmm. Probably for 20, 20, over 20 years. You know, they had the internet back then, Jimmy, like when we were like with canes and shit. It was funny. So, um, so you had, you had to wind it up with a, with a crank though. Right. It, it, was, it, it was amazing. But, um, so he found my website on like some Wayback machine yes. from like 20 years ago. Wow. And had a screenshot of it. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. And 
and, and asked me questions from shit I posted on this website 20 years ago. And it was really it made me think, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun. Really good dude. Really, really good guy. And I strongly suggest people listen to that podcast. What is it? What is the name of that podcast again? Jikundo Dialogues. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll go ahead and check that out. That sounds really interesting. Um, did you, uh, uh, I, I just had another episode of uh, the Kung Fu Genius uh, coming out. So like Kung Fu Genius recommends. I did it with my daughters. People really like it. I don't know if you saw that. I, you know, I saw, I saw a clip of it. And I was going to say, I, the only thing I didn't like about it is that it made you come across as human. <laughs> you didn't like that, right? You preferred me to come off as robotic and awkward, right? Because like you know, I can make fun of that. Your daughters are adorable, and yes. you know, so it's like, I'm like, oh shit, look, I gotta like him now, you know? It's just yeah. Like, so I, I did a I did a review of a couple a uh, couple things on there. One, um, this book, Striking Distance, which I actually talked about on a previous episode of Dudes. Um, have you seen the book Striking Distance? It's a it's another Bruce Lee book. It's written by a guy named Charles Russo. And it's uh, essentially about Bruce Lee's time in in Oakland and, you know, uh, kind of surrounds the time of the Wong Jack Man fight and oh. people like Leo Fong. But it also goes deep into the uh, it's not just about Bruce Lee. It's actually kind of about the martial arts scene in the Bay Area, including like Lao uh, Bun from Choi Le Phut and uh, uh, Wally J of Small Circle Jiu Jitsu oh, wow. and, and all of those guys. So um, it's a really fantastic book. And the um, the publisher or the author actually sent me a copy because they wanted us to talk about it on The Dudes. Oh, and, wow, that's um, nice. The funny thing is um, I had actually already talked about the book on The Dudes. Like, I mean, the book came out like two or three years ago, and I, I got it as soon as it came out. And they sent uh, me a new copy of it, which has a new forward by Shannon Lee. It's got an updated cover. And the book is great. And I talked about it on the new, um, on that Kung Fu Genius Recommends episode. It's a really great book. If you guys are into martial arts history, uh, especially in the States, like at that time before, before Bruce Lee became the Bruce Lee that everyone knows, that kind of dawn of martial arts in the U.S., it's a really fantastic book. It's called Striking Distance by Charles Russo. A really great book. You guys should check it out. It also talks about the Wong Jack Man fight and uh, really good. Um, I definitely recommend you guys check it out. I'll definitely read it. That sounds really that sounds really cool. That sounds very interesting. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not a big his, Bruce Lee historian, but I do like history. And I, I'm not, a, like when I say Bruce Lee historian, I'm not, I'm not into the whole like, you know, which actor was supposed to portray who and enter the dragon kind of bullshit. Right, but but when you talk about the, like the kung fu scene of the sixties, I I just I, I I dig on that. I like I like history, so that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's great. It's also fun to get those kind of background stories and and see you know, there's always the, the background stories, the stuff that's not you know so openly told. Those are always the interesting things. And in that um in that same episode, I also discussed the movie, and this is a movie tip for followers of the dudes of kung fu. Um, a movie called The Odd Couple with Sammo Hung and Lau Kar Wing, which is a, it, the whole movie is just broadsword versus spear. And it's probably the most amazing broadsword versus spear choreography ever put on film. And this movie's like from 1979. It's, a, all Kung Fu fans know it, but it's not as well known as some of the other films. And if you guys are looking for a really awesome movie recommendation, uh, I would definitely recommend watching The Odd Couple with Sammo Hung and Lau Kar Wing. You can see it. Uh, I think they have it on Amazon Prime, even though I think it's in English. I always prefer to watch these things in Cantonese with subtitles. But if you just want to watch it real quick, it's on Amazon Prime. Totally kick-ass movie. Um, and I got to get you, Sean, to watch some of these older movies. I think you'd really Well, you know what? To be honest with you, I was just sitting down with my wife, Lori, yesterday. 
and saying, listen, I'm really looking for a good broadsword versus spear movie. And, <laughs> you know, How dare you? And she was I like, feel a little mockery going on here. She was like, here. you know, Sean, maybe you should check with Alex. I'm sure he watched it in the original Cantonese because, you know, he's an elitist fuck, but it's okay. You can get it with subtitles, you moron. Listen to this guy. <laughs> Unbelievable. And how dare you talk to me in such a salty way in front of my own student. This is totally going to wound him, damage my reputation, and he's going to open a rival school across the street, and that's the end of it. <laughs> First of all, you can't go across the street because it takes an hour to get across 6th Avenue as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about 6th Avenue, I, I work right off right 6th Avenue. I, I told you I drive past your school every day as it is. Yes, but, yes, yes. Um, so I'm at work one day, and... Um, this, Sorry to hear that. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm just so ready to retire. But uh, I, I knew there's a new guy walks past me, and I could tell he's a wrestler or a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy because he has the you know don't fuck with me ears. And, <laughs> oh, that's what you call him. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yes. And um, so I'm talking to another guy about Conor McGregor. I'm talking about another co talking to another coworker about Conor McGregor, and this new kid walking past me just. I don't know where it just goes, fuck Conor McGregor. Right? So I look at him and I see the don't know you know, don't fuck me ears and shit. So I said, Oh, I said, Do you train? So he laughed. He goes, Yeah, I train between Jiu Jitsu and Henzo's and and uh-huh. and um he says, I you know, I just moved here to New York and we start talking and everything. And I go I said, What don't you like about Connor? And he goes, Well, uh-huh. one of my best friends is Nick Diaz. Oh, I see, I see. I said, there you go. So he's he he trained with uh, Nick and Nate Diaz. Uh-huh. And now I moved to New York, and he's training at uh, Henzo's. And I'm like, got it, got it. This is pretty cool, you know. It's, uh, it, 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 you know, those those ears are just like the perfect symbol for don't fuck with me. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, that that's kind of like you know, that's like coming in with a bad John. Right. <laughs> it's like you know. I remember telling my son that at Costco, like when he was like ten. There was the kid on there was a guy online behind us who had the cauliflower ears, and my son, being ten years old, turns around and like points to him and says. Daddy, what's wrong with his ears? And, and I said, John, those ears are a public statement. It means don't fuck with me. And, and the guy goes, listen to your father, young man. He goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, That's great. And uh, and also on the on that same that same episode that I did with my girls, uh, I'm I'm wearing a new Yip Man T-shirt actually from so uh, Wing Chun Illustrated, which is one of the sponsors of our podcast. They also have an apparel company. It's called Wing Chun Illustrated Apparel, where they have like Yip Man shirts, and they even have some Wong Sun Leung themed shirts. And they have a new Yip Man design where uh, it's kind of like a cartoonized Yip Man where he's holding the long pole. It's a pretty awesome shirt, and it just came out. If you guys uh, want to get this shirt, uh, we, you can actually use the coupon code ALEX10, that's uh, in all caps, A-L-E-X-10, to get 10% off. And that's one of our sponsors. would be totally awesome if you supported one of the Dudes of Kung Fu sponsors out there. So you got to go to Wing Chun Illustrated Apparel. If you don't have the link, you can also go to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. they got a link on there. Or you can watch my new video on the Kung Fu Genius channel and use the code ALEX10 to get 10% off on that uh, T-shirt which is totally awesome. So that's my shameless plug for the day. <laughs> wait, wait, just one? Just one, yes. Just well, one no, shameless you, one? Just one shameless plug. No, I guarantee you there'll be more, but um, <laughs> you guys can order more than one shirt in case, so just so you guys don't get confused. Order all the shirts you want with a 10% discount. Well, so uh, Yeah, it's a pretty I, cool I, design. I really enjoyed the video with your, with your daughters. That was, that was 
really good. They're they're adorable. They're funny, and um, you guys. You did, you did a good job with that. And they have that, that you know, who and who is Bruce Lee? Right. He's daddy's best friend. You know, the the that's actually not a line that we concocted for that video. My my daughter Maria always said that because, you know, at growing up in my household, sure. there's Bruce, there are Bruce Lee books everywhere. There are Bruce Lee posters. Also, Bruce Lee is constantly referred to in my house. And then so she knows who Bruce Lee is. My younger daughter, uh, Lucia, also knows who Bruce Lee is. And then the, when Maria was about four, we used to say, you know, point to a photo of Bruce Lee. Who's that? That's Bruce Lee. And who's Bruce Lee? And the first time we asked her that question, she just said, Daddy's best friend. Right? <laughs> because he's so prevalent in our household. He's almost like another family member. So we kind of put that into the video. And, of course, my daughters watch. It's interesting because we grew up in a time where we didn't grow up with YouTube or any of this nonsense. Nowadays, like my girls, they know how to use they know how to use iPads. They know how to use touch screens. They can do all this stuff. They watch these videos on YouTube and they kind of want to be in one. So this was a chance to let them be on YouTube, but not just doing some nonsense to kind of help daddy. And they're so excited. They saw that they're on Instagram now because uh, um, my uh, social media gal posted that on Instagram. So they're like so ecstatic. They feel like they're big movie stars. You know, that Lucia said, oh, there's 600 and something views after like a couple hours. Does that mean 600 people are watching it right now? <laughs> so great. That's awesome. Super into it. Yeah, super into it. And, and just as an aside, and just as any parent can uh, appreciate this, when you say about like how different it is now, like with YouTube and things to that effect, many years ago, I remember being in the pool with my two sons. And, um, you know, we're, my kids are like, at the time, eight and ten kind of thing, you know, and that that Katy Perry song comes on. I kissed the girl and I liked it, right? Yeah. And I remember my youngest son saying to me, "Daddy, do you hear this song?" So I says, "Yeah." He goes, "He goes, he goes. She's a girl who likes to kiss other girls." <laughs> and I go, "I know, Nick." I says, "Listen, you know, it's New York. Sometimes that happens. It's men, men kiss men. It's just you get used to it. That's the way life is, you know." And he goes, no, that's not what I mean. He goes, I watched the video, and she doesn't even kiss another girl. He goes, <laughs> it's kind of like a ripoff. Right? <laughs> and out of nowhere, now with me, my wife, and my two kids are in the pool, my oldest son turns around to my youngest son and says, oh, Nick, just go to Google and Google girls kissing. I'm fucking no. dying. <laughs> I'm dying and slowly high fiving him at the same time, right? <laughs> and it just goes to show like how much the world has changed in you know in the fifty years that I've been alive, you know, it's just amazing what and the scary things that I guess you can find on on the internet as well. For, for kids, you know what I mean? It's, for sure, for sure. Yeah, when when you grow up they still have those rotary phones, right? Well, no, first of all, we had the two cups in the string. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, you, know, you had yes. the two cups in the string, and then you pick up the phone and say, Hello, Mabel? You know. <laughs> no, it's not Mabel. <laughs> Give the string to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's funny. So uh, we, had a, um, we had a couple inquiries on our um, Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Some people asked some, uh, some different questions, and we don't always have – the, the the page up in front of us so we might paraphrase some of the questions or we might forget to name people by name so we apologize for that I uh, I recall there was somebody named Miguel who asked about the long pole asked something like is the long pole ever used in real fighting or is it just a training tool 
Now, Sean, how often do you use the long pole on a weekly basis? Well, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I grab my long pole because I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, wait, no, you don't mean that. <laughs> so That's the first time ever some kind of, you know, uh, penis slash long pole reference has ever been made in the history of Wing Chun ever so that's a that's and, a milestone right there and they, and yeah, they actually, you know, I actually just found out that the long pole is actually a weapon <laughs> <laughs> oh my god listen you know it's like I guess you know I guess at some time right I mean it was but uh, you know I, I don't know what would possess people to use the long pole as a weapon now right I mean yeah, well, I mean, I think, well, for the most part, most martial art weapons are kind of anachronistic. I mean, like, uh, people might think, like, well, a, you know, a, a ninja sword is very realistic and deadly. But are you really also going to walk around with a ninja sword and mow people down on the street with that thing? You know, I mean, unless you grew up in Brooklyn back in the 80s. Maybe, <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, I always find, like, well, I mean, the double knives... In Wing Chun, it's like, I mean, people can understand how they would use that, but you're also not going to be carrying those things around, and you're not necessarily going to apply the same tactics from the Wing Chun Bat Cham Do to two pocket knives because right. it's still a slightly different weapon. So I think sometimes people get a little overboard with the practicality of a martial art and then going <coughs> like, well, if I'm not going to use the long pole in a real fight, then therefore I shouldn't learn it. Um, I always find like, well, if you're only concerned with defending yourself on the street, then you you don't need to do most of what I exists in traditional martial arts. You don't even need to do most of what they have in jujitsu, right. most of what they have in kickboxing, most of what they have in Wing Chun, because self-defense and practicality is a very, very narrow band of the huge pie that is known as martial arts. And so, you know, for me, it's like learning the pole is part of learning Wing Chun. It's part of the culture. There's also a lot that you learn as a martial artist by learning weapons, timing, distance, all these kind of things. Um, I don't know. How, how do you look at it? Well, there's something to be said for doing something simply for the reason that you love it. Yes. You know, and like I said, like I actually said on that podcast, people have said to me, Sean, you've, you know, you've trained in wrestling, you've trained in Jeet Kune Do, um, you did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Why do you do Wing Chun? Are you saying Wing Chun is better than like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and better than Jeet Kune Do? And, and I said, no, I don't think it's better or worse, but there's a, I have a love for it. You know, right. I, 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 I started learning Wing Chun because I wanted to learn Wing Chun properly. I wanted to understand Wing Chun, and part of understanding Wing Chun is learning the long pole. It's part of the culture of the art. It's part of right. the beauty of the art. You know, yes. I'm never going to pick up a eight foot pole in a self-defense situation. And, and I'm sure there are some, um, some benefits of scenarios. Doing it. I'm saying there's some benefits of doing it that we've gotten into that we went over in, in the, the episode about the long pole, but I'm not so much even doing it for those benefits. I'm, I do it more just for the love of the art. And there's right. something to be said about doing something for the love of the art, you know? Yes. And like, when it comes to practicality of weaponry, probably the only one that I, like I, I know I have a Cali stick in my car, which is, yeah. I just know is going to get me locked up one day. But for sure, you know. But I, I, you know, it's probably the only practical weapon at this point that you know people still have on hand. That's yes. a martial arts related weapon. But you know, listen, why why do the knives? Why do the knives? Because it's part of the art. Why do the, yes. why why do you know why do all the forms? Because it's part of the art. I mean, you have to love um, Moxifu. All the weapons that he uses, yes, 
is he he's never going to use those weapons in real life or at least we hope i'd be one of one one bad afternoon but uh i don't know hong kong's in a pretty wild state right now <laughs> who knows where it's going to be in another month they might be fighting on the streets with uh quandos and things like that <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's just something there's something to be said for doing something for the love of it and i just yeah and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that like you know people people tend to mock in, in the martial arts there's this segment of the martial arts that people tend to mock what they see as uh, not not applicable to a real fight or not effective or not not you know not gonna kill people instantly on the subway and it's like you know it's there's it to me that's just it's just silly it's i don't i don't know i don't want to live in a society where i have to carry a fucking martial arts weapon anyway i i want to i want to do something that makes me happy that's that's my sole purpose for doing the martial arts i mean you know it's that that's that's my sole purpose for playing guitar it's my purpose for doing wing chen it's you know it's my purpose for doing the podcast it's because i enjoy it you know i i like to do things that i enjoy and and if, if learning long pole was part of doing what i enjoy and that's that's the whole reason I don't need yeah. I don't need a practical application for it. I do it because I like it. Fuck you. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That's, that's well, it. I, I also like people who try to like. Well, also like you. You, you know, you're you're totally totally right in what you say there. I mean, one, it's it's about the enjoyment. It's about learning the art. It's something you like to do. Obviously, this is a weapon that was definitely used in another time period in another context. And kind of the moment guns are invented. It kind of throws most of these weapons in terms of being really purely practical kind of out the door. Obviously, knives, collie sticks, clubs, things like that are always those are perennial favorites. Those will always be in style um, in terms of like self-defense. But everything else, it's like it's it's some. Yeah, it's something that you enjoy. It's part of the art. And also learning it enhances your knowledge and abilities in that art. What I always find funny is when people who they can't reconcile the two you have in Wing Chun you have people who have to make everything so practical that they even have to like create a practical reason why you would learn the long pole and I remember once seeing a, some Wing Chun Sifu show how you could apply the Lok Tim Bun Guan in the pool hall with your pool stick right. like- and because especially the pool stick is also kind of tapered the same way the long pole is and I'm just going like it's it's still I don't know about five feet shorter maybe than that Wing Chun long pole and it's not really the same and if I had one of those things in my hand I wouldn't use it like the Wing Chun long pole I would probably just break it over someone's head right <laughs> that's what Jackie Chan did in that's Russia, what Jackie right? Chan did. he broke them into two and then they became Kali sticks See, there you go that is the proof <laughs> that Kali and Filipino martial arts are the only practical weapons art you have you have a pool stick and you break it and turn it into double Kali sticks <laughs> that's kind of that's, if you had two if you had nunchucks you would just rip the chain off and turn them into two Kali sticks <laughs> if you wanted to be really practical I, you know it's funny because I actually have a, a, a weapons question for you that I, okay. I I actually wanted to ask you, and we I may have asked you this before, so we both know I've been punching the head a lot, and I forget a lot of yes. shit. Yes. So and that was just today. Right. Well, I'm married. What can I say? But um, in the history of the Bachandong, yes, did they start out as like a like a farmer's tool? Were, were they a machete that was converted to a, a weapon, or were they were they conceived of as a weapon? Like you know, you hear like a lot of like um. The Okinawan weaponry, yes. Asai, and things like that, were were farm farming implements yes. that became weaponry. Was that right. was that the case with Bachamdao? Because uh, how this so started, first... I'm sorry, I, I got I, I so Jimmy, I, I have a lot of knives and stuff. It's you know whatever. So I got. I won't this, judge you. 
you're oddly aroused too. I, I can tell. So, um, just a little. So a buddy of mine just gave me a um, a a machete that literally will just like it's 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 definitely has a heavy weighted front. It'll it'll hack you in half, right? Right. And I pick it up, and it reminds me of like a chopper, bacham though, except it doesn't have right. the guard. And it's yeah. in fact, it's very close to a chopper. And right. and I was saying I and I, I when I and he you know this is a machete this is just a regular machete and I immediately thought like I wonder if that's where the bachandal came from were they just a machete that was used for clearing you know grain in in in, right. in Kong, Kong, in China or was it conceived of as a weapon initially you know or well that's a good question of course the history of the bachandal is a kind of a kind of a dicey thing. Um, uh, there, there was an article written, I think it was by Ben Judkins a couple of years ago, where he, he uh, kind of attempted to go into the history of the double knives. And um, it, it's it's a little it's a little difficult to say one one thing I'm again, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an expert because it's very difficult to be an expert in a field where there is no real source material. Um, no one really knows. And, and the term batam, though, is a very Wing Chun specific term for those knives. Uh, they were originally called. Either sengdo uh, means double knives. Sometimes they were called wudipto, which is butterfly knives. And but colloquially, the type of knife itself is called baojangdo, which means the knife that goes to your elbow. Like when you turn it around, it goes as far as your elbow, right? And this is essentially what's known as kind of the southern broadsword. Um, from what I can surmise, and again, it's difficult. Like. It, I could be totally wrong because there's really no source material. I mean, Ben Judkins put together an article where, you know, he he, he puts together some stuff, but it's it, it still doesn't necessarily prove that that's where the Wing Chun knives came from. And, and so it, it, it's difficult to say, but I'm pretty certain that the knives were not farm implements that be, that graduated to death weapons, um, as is in the case with some Okinawan farm tools and also some... Obviously, that you ever see that Chinese uh, pole with like it's like a pitchfork, sure, where it's got the three right. Obviously, that was probably some kind of farm <laughs> implement first, yeah, absolutely. that got you know turned into a weapon, but other things were not like the Kwando, um, which is that you know the staff with the, the thick broadsword at the end that was essentially for slicing the legs off horses right. when you're having when you're having fights on horseback, right? And then that later got turned into a uh, a hand-to-hand combat, or not hand-to-hand, but a, a single combat weapon rather than just a horse legs chopper, right? Um, but the, the the double knives, it seems from what we know that they were created first to be death weapons. <laughs> right. um, and, and so um, the older designs seem to be not of the chopper style, but seem to be they were pointier and stabbier. Mm-hmm. So they were uh, they were actually uh, longer than the current ones and narrow. So they were meant for stabbing, and they had a very small hook as opposed to the bigger ones that they have now. And then they had the guard for the hands. And that that the 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 theories that that was developed somewhere near Shanghai from the what was it the Siu uh, the the small sword society or something like that that this supposedly came from the Shanghai area and then made its way to southern China um, so but but I don't know I mean it, it's it's a lot of speculation um, there is I have a photo I posted it on Twitter maybe three four years ago so I would have to go way back the the triad so the gangsters they really liked those double knives so they would actually use them to hack people up and 
there's a photo from China, New York City, Chinatown. I think the photo was either in the 20s or the 40s. Uh, I, I know this is a 20-year difference. I can't tell. It was either from, like, one of those periods. Sure. Where they had arrested a number of triads, and it was an NYPD photo where they showed the weapons that they confiscated from these triads. And they had, like, essentially what looked like kind of ninja stars. And they had a number of sets of those double knives, but the longer, pointier version. Wow. And so they confiscated that on triads in, like, the early 20th century. So they were still using that. And and so um, th- this story, too, came from... And, I, and I, I guarantee you I told this story when we did the episode on the double knives. Um <laughs> Sifu Leung Ting told me a, an interesting story. He wrote an article for um, a martial art magazine in Hong Kong called Modo, which basically is Chinese for Budo. Um, it, the magazine doesn't exist anymore. It's like it, it was a Hong Kong magazine way back in the day. And the magazine wanted him to write an article about the Bacham Do. Now, at that time, he only knew a little. He hadn't learned all the Bacham Do from Yip Man or something, or, or he had learned some of it from his first Sifu or whatever the story was. And he asked Grandmaster Yip Man if he could get a little more information so that he could uh, make a good article for this magazine. And that was kind of his veiled way of saying, like, um, do you think you could just teach me the rest of the knives so that you know, I would have something to show or whatever, right? And uh, which later ended up, you know, kind of being part of the reason why he was able to learn uh, a bit more in the knives. But he told me that Grandmaster Yip Man told him one thing that he wanted to make because this article came out obviously while Yip Man was still alive. Uh, Leung Ting is on the cover using the Bacham Do and all the information in the article uh, Siva Leung Ting told me he got from Yip Man shortly before the article came out so that he would make sure that everything was right so he double checked it. And so he said Grandmaster Yip Man was super adamant that we do not flip the knives Mm. because if you flip the knives, there's a chance you might drop them, you might lose them. And then he said, Yip Man told him this kind of random fact. He said, even the triads, when they go into battle with those knives, they will actually wrap them to their hands so that they don't drop them. So the idea is that this thing is in your hand and you're not going to flip it and twist it and do all sorts of fancy twirly nonsense. They literally tie it to their hands. And he said, that's how we do our bacham do form, as if those things are just attached to your hands. They're not going anywhere. I like that. So, and, 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 so, and I remember because Leung Ting said that story many, many times. He said that was one of like the big points that he wanted to make sure had gotten across in that article was that you know you don't flip it. And then using how the triads use those weapons as the example of why we should fight that way. That's I that's interesting. Now I know I saw pictures of what was supposed to be what was told to me were the uh the Bacham the, the that the Moyat used, Grandmaster Moyat used. Mm-hmm. And those looked almost like um a triangular shape. Yes, I remember those. How he drew them they were wider at the bottom right and they pointer did, at the top. Yeah. And that's I I would love to because I, I have I have only I have two sets of knives. One, I guess, I refer to as like chopper style, and yep. one that's more like a stabber kind of style. And I, I definitely am going to now waste some more of my money and buy. I got to see if I can find a pair of those somehow. Did did Sivu Moyat manufacture his style? Because I remember in his Kunkut book, he he wrote photo, uh, he drew photos of them, and I remember there are photos of him using them, and they have a very unique style compared to some of the other ones. And but the thing is, I've never actually seen a pair of those. 
like uh right. like in in person i've only seen photos and stuff like, do do people have those did Sifu Moyet make those or did, like how, like where are they how can you get one you know what i don't know i i'm going to talk to uh, my sifu about it that sounds like a that sounds like a good mission to go on yeah cuz i i definitely i want i want to get a set of those cuz i i need more knives in my house of course of course exactly. <laughs> we all do right yeah i got to move my guitars over a little bit to make real room for my knives <laughs> for sure, bad, for it's sure. Because now my son, my son has uh, caught the the knife bug also. My oh really? Son, oh god, my son Nikki is obsessed with with knives, and you know, I'm, it's it's bad. My wife, and of course, my wife blames me. You know. Yes. Well, it usually is your fault anyway. I would, I would, I would tend to agree. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that that happened when we got married. Matter of fact, real quick, I I said to my wife. Literally the other day, I'm like, listen, boys. I was just thinking, you know, we got to be coming up on 25 years of marriage soon. We should have like a party, like for 25 years. Right. And she goes, yeah, that's a great idea, Sean. In June, we'll marry 27. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, we are. She's like, yes, idiot, we are. 27 years. (laughs) Just wait till thirty. <laughs> yeah. So now, now, now you gotta. You, had, and the funny thing is, you would have been such a hero had you just said thirty. Right. Right. Exactly, right. And right. it's like, it's like you just, you know, you made that one mistake and then forget it. She's not gonna let you forget that either. Right. It's women, like, women have minds like steel traps when it comes to that stuff. Well, so somebody goes. So of course I did this podcast yesterday, and the guy on the the, the, the gentleman that did the podcast said to me, he goes, "Oh, I wanna, you know, how'd you get permission from your wife to do a podcast, do this thing on Valentine's Day?" And I said, well, of course, of course, I forgot it was Valentine's Day when I agreed to do this, right? <laughs> and I had to come home and tell my wife. She's like, oh, what are we doing for dinner? I'm like, well, I don't know what you're doing for dinner. I'm doing a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And, of course, she immediately reminded me of when I was doing um, – so, Jimmy, I used to work uh, like as a corner and cut man for some MMA fights. It was kind of a thing I did as a side job to you know, help right. pay the bills, you know? I learned how to be a cut man, and I would go to Atlantic City and work as a corner man. So at one time, I get a phone call, and uh, some guy says, "Listen, we need we need a cut man for some fights this weekend. Can you do it?" So I had a buddy of mine, and we do it together. So we'd say, "Yeah, sure." I said, "Sure, we'll be there." You know what time? And we go. To, I said to my wife, "Listen, I'm going to Atlantic City Saturday. I got a I got a job." So she's like, "All right, do what you got to do." You know. So I go and um, check into the hotel and the whole thing. And I, I call her up, and I'm like, oh, listen, I'm heading over to the fights, just, you know, calling to check in. And she's like, she's like, oh, okay, I go, what are you doing over there? Because I got here in the background. She goes, well, today's my birthday, and, you know, everybody's here celebrating my birthday. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck me, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you do it on purpose. Right? It's like, she's just like, I get it, no problem. I know you've been hitting the head a lot. It's just, you know, it is what the it standard is. standard line. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm also notoriously bad at that stuff. I think the only reason why it's a little easier to seem more put together is because Facebook kind of reminds you, like, this is coming up, this is happening, this is going on. If not for that, like, I forget my own birthday half the time. Well, that's right. what I was going to say, actually. I do forget mine sometimes. Yeah. So I, maybe you can get away with it if you forget your own. Right, well, <laughs> I, you know, I'm never doing that shit. I, I, I got, like... <laughs> It's like my birthday month in this fucking house. I, I'll be my, like I'll be sitting on the couch and like my, I'll say to my wife, oh, can you go get me like a, you know, a fudge pop or something? And she'd be like, what? You can't get up and get your own fudge pop? I'm like, hey, it's my birthday month. You know? It's like, it's like your birthday what a great month. Line. What the fuck is wrong with you? You're not nine years old. 
You're 55. I'm like, right, I'm going to be 55 three weeks from now. You can't get up and get me a Punchbob, you know? <laughs> By the way, you're not doing a good job of defending yourself for forgetting all those dates. Well, but whatever. <laughs> well, you know, I guess it's so much easier now to remember shit with all the electronic yeah. devices we carry. Right. You right. know what I mean? But, like, I don't think people realize how new all these electronic devices are. You know, you know, we didn't have them, like, I mean, well... Yeah. It, weren't we common, it wasn't common to be carrying them even 15 years ago. Right, right, right. But it also kind of takes away the excuse to forget stuff, because it's like, oh, Facebook didn't tell you that it was my birthday this morning, or, or you didn't see from the bajillion posts that it was Valentine's Day. It, right, exactly. it, didn't, it didn't strike you as odd that everyone was posting Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and you're just looking at this, liking those posts, and then not realizing it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, so before we move on to our main topic, uh, let's uh, take a listen to this. Hey all, have you heard that John Crucione of Laughing Dragon Wing Chun has an app exclusively for iPad about the science behind Dim Mach as it applies to Wing Chun? Dim Mach is the art of hitting weak spots or sensitive spots on the human body. Dim Mach, as taught by John Crucione, is considered one of the highest forms of Kung Fu target practice. He explains it in a clear scientific and anatomical principles and not just mystical theory or kung fu movie entertainment like the five point palm exploding heart technique nonsense. The art teaches you how to apply the principles of real dim mock within your system of Wing Chun. This app is unique because it breaks down two different lineages of the wooden dummy form and teaches the most common dim mock techniques of the dummy form and how to make it work. Contained within the app are videos, photos, theory, and points which are must-have for any Wing Chun practitioner who wants to elevate their skill to a higher level. And version 2.0 of the app is on its way out. It's available in the iTunes store for iPad only. And folks, it's just such a cool thing to have, you know, an old science of Dimmock brought together with the new science of an iPad. This is a. I've seen the app. It's fantastic, and uh, it really is a must-have for for Wing Chun Kung Fu practitioners. I hope you all enjoy. And we're back. Awesome. So, uh, I missed you, man. Where were you for that ten seconds? You know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I totally disappeared, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna. For me to read the question, I would totally fuck up the gentleman's name. So can you? No, so which is exactly why you should do it. Go ahead. We're putting you out there. Let's go for it. Let's hear this. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay, Dick. Um, <laughs> Mr. Lai Chi Ling. Wow, that's not bad. I mean, of course, I never met him. I mean, I, don't, I assume that's how he pronounced it, but it was a lot better than how you practiced it before we went on the air today. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But, Jimmy, now you know why I fucking hate him, right? Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. so go ahead. Re read, read the question from Mr. Ling. Mr. Mr. Ling wrote, "What is the average progression of a student learning Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do? Uh, like, when would you expect a student to do well against the average person in a fight, assuming regular training? And what are some things you wish you had known as a student?" I I love both these questions. Yes. Um, taking it from a from my perspective, and then I'll let you give the right answer. <laughs> um, the average progression in. In JKD, there is no average progression in JKD because I think every school is, is is different in the way they do things. 
I, I can tell you how I like to do things and I, I, I like to get people punching and moving right away. So when, when people start training with me, the first, literally the first thing I do is teach them how to stand, how to move without losing the structure of their stance, and then how to throw a jab with that, and then how to deal with an incoming jab. And then immediately we start with focus mitts, and then with focus mitts, just moving with a little bit of head movement to get people feel comfortable moving around. And that literally is over the first one or two lessons. Because I, I kind of feel like I want people right away to feel like what they've, in, what they've invested in is in a self-defense situation. Uh, and, and, that's, and that's what they're gonna bring to the, that's the emotion that they're gonna bring to their training every night. That, listen, we're, we're moving around here, we're throwing punches and I'm having punches thrown at me lightly. No one's gonna get hurt. But I, it's, it's, I want people to be mentally, that's the mental investment I want them having when they show up. That when they come to training, what we're doing, for what we're doing, that's what it's about. And I kind of feel like when, how long did I have to be doing this before it, they'll do well against an average person? Believe it or not, I don't think that long. I think if, if, a, if a person comes and train a few nights a week, over a few month period, they're already so much more better than the average guy who does absolutely fucking nothing. Because the average guy has never had a punch thrown at him. You know, the average guy can talk a big game, they can throw a punch into a heavy bag once in a while and maybe not break their wrist. But they, they, never, they have not moved and thrown a punch their whole life. Or since they're kids rolling around, that, you know, 13 years old, fighting, joke fighting with their friends. The average man has not moved and thrown a punch in movement ever, and he and he's never done it while someone's throwing a punch at him. So if a guy's yeah. if a guy's doing that two or three days a week for a couple of months, he's already light years ahead. And that's why I would say it's so much better to train athletically, like a like like a boxer, like you know, like combat athletics. They get quick, fast because it's done against a, a progressive resistance. And it, it's it's and it's a mindset and a and a, and a and a physical being of doing doing something physically that you're just not used to doing. So I think you actually get better very quick when you when right. you when you train that way. Well, I totally agree. So next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's great. And and obviously, uh, like you said, there's kind of no standard progression, but it depends on the individual school. But I mean, for me, it's also a matter of. Uh, it's a matter of what the student, what, why they're doing martial arts, and what people always forget: not everyone is doing it so that they could fight or so that they Excellent can do self-defense. Uh, as we mentioned already on this podcast, some people do martial arts because they enjoy it, right? Right. And so that is, you know, for a lot of people, the overriding concern, and they're not worried about whose teeth they can punch in or who who they can avoid from punching them in their own teeth, right? So. Um, it depends, but yeah, like, you know, the students are moving from the beginning and we have them working against, you know, the types of attacks that happen on the street, straight punches, low punches, swings, tackles, headlocks. And so the students get competent <coughs> against those kind of things first, not worrying about uh, somebody doing a complex maneuver in chi sao, doing, you know, pak sao, lap sao, double trap, this, that, whatever. We get them kind of started from, you know, straight punches, swings, wild haymakers, tackles, headlocks, those kind of things first so that the students 
feel that they have a, a kind of a, a vocabulary against common things that happen. Right, excellent. So in that way, against the average untrained person, yeah, it's only taken a couple months before they have a chance. So um, it's pretty much the same. I think a lot of martial arts schools are probably on a similar path as far as that goes. Right, right. And the other question I like a lot is that this idea of, you know, what did you wish you had known as a student that you know now? Right. And... You know, that's like that's a that's a great question. And I really like first thing would be don't eat as much french fries, you know, cause, and pizza cuz that would have really helped out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, for me the one thing I one of the things I really wish I had learned as a student that I know now is don't learn Wing Chun from JKD people. Mm. Okay, so and 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 I don't mean my my friend and teacher Steve Golden. I made the mistake of learning uh, the the woodman form, the, the jong form, right? Long before I was ready for it, from uh -huh. a JKD person, and from a JKD person who I'm sure learned it out of a book, and and ended up blowing out both of my knees because I wow. didn't know how to step, I didn't know how to turn, I didn't know how to shift my weight. And none, of, no importance was placed on this whatsoever. In, in, you know, listen, I'm a big dude. I've always been a big dude, not this big, but I've always was always a big guy. So I was, you know, I was 260 pound man, trying to learn this jong form from a person who didn't understand the way you should be shifting your weight and turning your your feet and this whole idea of body unison. And, and because I was learning it from someone who didn't know what the fuck they were talking about at the time, I ended up blowing out my knees. Jeez. You know, and I, you know, that's, that's one thing I really wish I had known that I really, if you want to learn something about Wing Chun, go to a Wing Chun person. If you want to learn something about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, go to a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu person. You know, go, go to the people that are actually experts in the field. Right. You know, don't, don't look for the guy who knows everything. The, yeah. the guy who knows everything knows nothing. You know, yes. The guy who knows everything only knows a little bit about everything. He knows just enough to get you hurt. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I wish I didn't look at... I, I kind of feel like I looked at JKD people as this expert in everything. Stupidly right. looked at... You know, it was almost like, why would I go train at a Muay Thai school when I would go to a JKD school who has a Muay Thai class? Right. You know what I mean? Who And now, and now as an adult, I realize that he, it's just that he pays for permission to use some Muay Thai's Muay Thai teacher's name, and you know right. I host that guy for a seminar three times a year. You yeah. know what I mean? So that I kind of feel like if you if you want to learn Muay Thai, go train with a Muay Thai person. You want you want to learn Wing Chun, go go to Alex's school and learn, and learn Wing Chun proper. And I kind of feel like it was when I when I made the decision to learn Wing Chun proper was when I grew up as a martial artist and, mm -hmm. and realized, you know, it's like, I kind of feel like I'm, I was never going to learn wrestling outside of being in a wrestling environment. Why did I think I could learn Wing Chun in a JKD environment? Why did I right. think I could learn, you know, some Muay Thai in a JKD? What made JKD people think that they could own every martial art? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I, and I, and that's something I wish I knew as a student going in that JKD people don't own all martial arts. They, they just pretend like they do. 
They like to talk a big fucking game, and and they they they, they own enough of martial arts to suck at everything, you know. <laughs> and 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 I really do wish I knew that when I was a young man coming into this game. I think it would have helped me progress as a person, as a healthier person, you know. And I wish I would. I, the other thing I really wish I would have realized as a, as a young martial artist, younger martial artist was to take my training in wrestling and apply it to martial art. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, was a, I was a pretty good high school wrestler. You know, I, I, was, I was a pretty good wrestler. And I understood combat athletics. I understood uh, progressive resistance. I understood how to learn wrestling. And I don't know why it didn't dawn on me to take those lessons and apply it to my teaching. Right. Teaching, I, I kind of looked at martial arts, looked at JKD, as some dogmatic way of you having to learn the things in a certain order and in a certain way, only by the way your teacher taught them, even though you knew in yourself, ah, that was probably not the best way to learn that. But you know what? That's the way my teacher did it. So let me do it. Maybe he had some secret reason for doing it that way, mm-hmm. other than mm-hmm. he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. You know? So, like, I just, I, I really wish I would have learned, I wish I would have understood that I should take what my gut was telling me to do athletically as a wrestler and apply it to martial arts instead of right. trying to do something in a way that just it wasn't me. Right. Well, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, I mean, for me, it's a little bit different. I, I, I think I was pretty lucky in my, in my martial arts upbringing. I had great teachers. I had great mentors. I think the advice I would probably give myself if I could go back would actually have a little bit more, not so much with how I should train things or how I should do things because I was always kind of pointed in the right direction there but probably about avoiding certain types of people right um, right sure who who entered my martial arts circle either as kind of not direct mentors but kind of people who are on the periphery or some students that I had that um you know I later had to kind of kick out after I had given them chance and gave them another chance gave them another chance because I had a soft spot for them like I the advice I'd give myself is you know get rid of those problem people the moment they're a problem um you know one of one of the things i probably would have told myself is when you become an instructor someday never trust the guy who point blank tells you they're your most loyal student (laughs) right because your actual loyal students don't need to tell you that they're loyal because they show their loyalty by showing up to class training putting in the time being respectful with that the moment someone has to tell you as if, like, just to make sure that you're sure, I'm your most loyal student. This person's probably going to stab you in the back. <laughs> like, it's probably almost guaranteed at this point that they're going to do it the moment they say that. Or in, 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 a, in a lesser degree, people tell you, like, oh, I'm going to be your best student. Because I bet, I mean, I've taught so many people in 18 years. People who came to my school and stayed for years. People who came to my school and stayed for a short time. I've seen the spectrum of the types of people who join martial arts schools and train. And never once has someone who comes in like, I'm going to be your best student. I'm going to be your most hardworking student. I'm going to be, I want to be, or anyone who said, I want to be an instructor in your style. That's my goal. No one who ever came out of the gate saying any of those talking points amounted to a hill of beans. Right. Because... The people who want to be instructors, that's their ambition, but they know in order to be an instructor, you got to be good at Wing Chun. So let's work on that first before we worry about being an instructor, right? Right, right, right. And so they're not seeking the status, they're seeking the skill. And those are the people that I want to teach. 
not the other way around, right? Sure, sure. So I, I, I probably, if I could go back, the advice I would give myself is just be mindful of the people who are trying to convince you or almost convince themselves out loud that they're loyal or hardworking or whatever because the people who are loyal and hardworking will show you through their loyalty and hard work and do not need to verbalize it, right? Right. So that's kind of what I learned about that. Now, Jimmy, you're one of my students, and this is not to put you on the spot mm -hmm. because or say anything wrong, <laughs> but if you could go back to that Jimmy who started learning Wing Chun all those years back, is there any advice you would give yourself? Well, I was always one of those students who would not stop asking you questions, like nonstop. So. Uh -huh. But that didn't bother me. Yeah, well, but... <laughs> It's funny because when I started teaching for you, no one was asking questions. And I was like, what's wrong with you people? I was like, am I that good? It's like, I just taught you guys everything. So, uh, no, I mean, I would, I probably would just listen to you. I would say always listen to your instructor more, but like always think for yourself as well. But, you know, your instructor probably knows best and he's been through what you're already going through. So you, you probably should listen to him if you're having some kind of issue with something you're learning or you're not quite getting something you know it's like he he knows he's been there like he's he knows the best way to do it you might not want to believe that repeating it over and over again is going to help but actually yeah that's what's going to help right. <laughs> right. I, th I think you learn that more when you teach it's like no guys what i'm telling you this is the thing you need to do right, right. you need to just do this thing i'm telling <laughs> like, you why Trust would you me. be lying <laughs> right exactly sure awesome that cool. makes sense yeah no it's uh, and I, that was a good question i, I like that that's um i i think when when we're coming up in the arts so many people especially today with the uh with the internet and with um youtube and people come into martial arts with so many preconceived notions as to what they should be learning and what the art's about they almost like they come to you for confirmation not for lessons yes you know what i mean so it's like i think like i've had people show up and tell me like they already knew jeet kundo they just wanted to know like you know what's the uh the, the, the word of mouth lessons what's the what you know what what, what are they not showing me on YouTube right and everything you work on has to confirm what they already knew right and if they if you if you say something that is not the accepted norm or the accepted practice I guess or what the general you know accepted truth is on uh, whatever Facebook group they belong to then you gotta get this look on your face like wait why do you you don't do that that that's not right and, and, right. and they don't want to know why you do it the way you do it. They want to know why aren't you doing it the way I already knew it when I came in here to pay you to teach me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Which makes uh, no sense. I'm coming in to pay you to teach me, but how come you're doing it wrong? Because I know for a fact the wrist should be at a 37-degree angle and not the 40-degree angle you're telling me, you know? Right, exactly. It's, 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 it's always those three degrees. It's, it's beyond ridiculous, you know? And um, I know I've told the story before, but it's like I remember having a man come down and telling me that, you know, he could train with us. And um, he said that he did a lot of this drill, Hubud Lubud, which is a Filipino martial arts drill that I didn't do. Not that I hated the drill, but I just didn't do that drill uh, for whatever reason. And I asked him why he did the drill. And he said one of the main reasons was that it helped him deal with someone throwing a, a rear straight and not, you know, the way he dealt with a rear straight. So I was like, oh. So I called one of my guys over and I said, Rocco, punch him with a rear straight. 
<laughs> it's always some dude named Rocco. You know you're in trouble if the dude's name is Rocco. <laughs> so, you know, this was, you know, this is not a new guy. This is someone who came down new who was proclaiming to be an already instructor in Shikundo. Right. So, you know, and he wanted to glove up because he wanted to see if we were worth training with. So, so I said to Rocco, you're only allowed to hit him with a rear straight. And so Rocco nails him. Like, like they just start woven around and boom, nails him with the rear straight. So I immediately stop it. And I go, so what happened? And he looks at me dead in the face and says, I know, I don't do enough who, bud. And I'm like, you say you only do who, bud, because it teaches you how to deal with a rear straight. The first one he threw you, he fucking hit you. And you're telling me you have to do more of it? Like, <laughs> if, if, clearly you don't, you know, you're, you got something wrong. Maybe that's not the reason you should be doing who, bud. Right. Or maybe who, bud, doesn't teach you how to deal with a rear straight. And he's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay, I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm still I gotta think about this. I'm still waiting. <laughs> but, you know. But, yeah, it seems, though, running a school, like, you running a school, the, the wealth of information, the, the wealth of inaccurate information that's out there has yeah. got to be so frustrating for you. Because I know, yeah. for me, it really was when I was teaching on a steady basis, and, and I think when I was teaching, it wasn't even YouTube yet. Um... Like, it was the amount of misinformation that people would walk in knowing was right. staggering. You know, yeah. and, again, and again, I don't know if you face this, but it, it, with me, I would face this question a lot. People would walk in and say, do you do this? And if I said no, and they, they would immediately not question your choice in drills. They would question your respect for a person that does that drill. So, like I said, I didn't do hoopud. And they would say, well, I went to a Dan and a Santos seminar, and he does who but. Are you saying Dan's wrong? Right. No, I'm not saying Guru Dan's wrong. I'm saying Guru Dan teaches who but, and he's good at it, and he has a great purpose for it, and that's it. Not so much for me. I, don't, I, right. have, other, I have other ways of teaching those skills. So I, right. I don't do that drill. Well, so are you saying Guru Dan's wasting his time? God, no. Who am I to say that freaking Guru Dan and Asanto is wasting his time with something? Are you out of your fucking mind? Who? I would never say that. Right. The guy's a genius. I just don't do that drill. I do something else to, to gain that skill. You know? And people, like, they associate a skill or a drill with a person as opposed right. to with a drill, with, with a with a purpose of a drill. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I think people have to get away from personalities. And, and and more towards purpose, and right. uh, and I definitely think that the uh, the internet has given way too many preconceived notions as to what martial arts should be. I mean, you. I mean, yeah. how, how many times you go to teach a form? I'm sure that people coming to learn the first form from you, new students. You thought, yeah, and they already know, quote unquote, know the first form from some other. Yeah, or they they went on YouTube and started learning it, but they they didn't. First of all, they don't realize that there are differences between. Sometimes even within the same lineage, there are differences, and let alone with other lineages. And they'll just go, oh, I already taught myself the first few moves in the Sunum Tao. And then, you know, right. they lear learned it from some, you know, questionable master wrong or I don't know who it is. Somebody is like, well, I don't even know what version of the form that guy's doing. 
Um, so we always say like, you know, don't do the mastered wrong version. Right, all right? right, so right. You know, somebody's doing something else. It's been mastered wrong and you don't want to mastered wrong that version. Right. So, so we don't, we don't like, and it's always an issue with people like coming in and sure, it's gotta be. doing all this. It's like, why don't you, you're literally paying us. Why don't you do the one that you're paying to learn right. instead of the one on YouTube from some guy you don't even know. Right. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be incredibly frustrating. It's. It's, thank God they didn't have YouTube when I was teaching. Was kids That's today. right. We actually had to learn stuff and do it. <laughs> it's just like it's just beyond ridiculous. Because I, I know I get people, for some reason, people still call me. I, mm. I don't know why. People Because I'm the nastiest asshole people call. <laughs> and, and it's just truth, you know. People are like, oh, did you ever hear my seafood? Yeah, I did. What do you think? Well, you want the truth or you want me to be nice? Like, you know. <laughs> like... And like, like people call me up and say like, oh, I saw what you, I heard what you said about the five ways of attack. My seafood disagrees with you. Can he come on the show and talk to you about it? No. <laughs> well, why not? Because I don't want to. Well, you know, it's like, you know, it's just this, this idea that people just have so many, there's just so much misinformation out there. It's amazing. Yeah. And people have absolutely. to just listen to my misinformation. That's all that matters. Right. That's right. We are a one, one road of misinformation only, not multiple roads. In fact, <laughs> the dudes of Kung Fu are going to, you know, I'm just going to announce it right now, Alex. If you okay. send us $100,000, we will certify you in dudes of Kung Fu. And that's all of them, folks. It's all wow. the Kung Fu. It's you can be a certified them. dude of Kung Fu, qualified. In all of all the kung, of fus. kung fus, all the kung fus, and since Jimmy's on the show, we'll fucking cut him in for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him five percent. We'll make him master, master Jimmy, <laughs> master Jimmy, master Jimmy. Yes, it's always been my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Well, cool. that's uh, that the, that's the show, folks. Have you have anything to announce this uh, week, Alex? Uh, yeah, we have like. I think two spots left on the Hong Kong tour oh, this Kong summer. Tour. I had no idea how many people would sign up for that thing so quickly. And we have, we're right at threshold where it's like, uh, if the group gets any bigger, I don't think I can manage it. Right. So I think we have like two slots left. If you guys ever wanted to come to Hong Kong and you want to see all the Bruce Lee spots, the Yip Man spots, the Kung Fu movie spots, it really, not to toot my own horn, but it doesn't get any better than going to Hong Kong with me and my group because I can show you all that stuff. Even locals don't know that stuff. And, uh, you know, we have the tour. It's going to be August 24th. Uh, it starts August 24th in Hong Kong. Uh, you can um, purchase the tour at our online shop, which is at wt-athletics.com. Again, that's wt-athletics.com. And the tour also includes a training seminar with me as well, in addition to the daily tour stuff. All the information's on the website, and if you go to the Kung Fu Genius YouTube channel, I actually made a video about the tour. If you want more information, you can see it there and you can sign up, but only a couple slots available. You better get them before they go, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys in Hong Kong in August. That really sounds like an amazing trip. It's pretty awesome. That I, just I, I like get amazing. super. I've been uh, I've been to Hong Kong almost thirty times uh, at at this point in my life, and I get super excited about going, and I get super excited about bringing people there for the first time. If you practice Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do, or you're a fan of Kung Fu, you have to make the pilgrimage at least once in your life, and it really doesn't get much better than the network of people I have over there and the stuff that I can show and introduce people to. It's really this is the Kung Fu tour you want to go on. Right. It's it's just it's a unique opportunity. I mean. If, yeah. if I was in a different situation in my life, I would love to do that. 
It's it's yeah. just such an, a unique opportunity to go. I mean, and I get it, folks. Alex is annoying as fuck, but you know, it's like you 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 you, you have to go. If you if you have the means to go, you have to go. I would I would be there in a New York minute, even even if it's with Alex. I I just <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it it just sounds like a, it's just the perfect opportunity to see Hong Kong the way it should be seen. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's just awesome. I wish I, yeah. I wish I was going on the tour, honestly. Cool. All right, guys. Well, hey, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, Jimmy, for 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 sticking around today with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. <laughs> you dudes are awesome. <laughs> All right, all folks. right, guys. Talk to you Take later. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the Dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!